Hello, and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebvre. And I am Jessica Tercero. And this week, we watched Romeo and Juliet. Everyone's Everyone's favorite, favorite movie. Love story. Everyone's I don't know. favorite. Yeah, it's, I think it's the most notable love story in history, right? It's the most famous. Yeah. Possibly. I guess. Just because it's so tragic, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Or well, just because everybody loves a, this. Because Shakespeare's a big lord. So everyone's like, <laughs> ooh. Not to knock Shakespeare lovers, because I think that that's. There's an artistry to it, 100%. Um, but yeah, just because he's hella famous, and these plays were hella famous, and Romeo and Juliet, it's like, oh no. Starcrossed lovers and all that. Uh, and, like, and also just, just be like, you're hot, let's fuck. Oh no, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, wait. Well, and everybody that? talks about this as like the ultimate romance or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, because it's like love at first sight and all of that. We decided this was a great topic for Valentine's Day. Boo, 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 boo. Wow, Happy I have day lots of, of opinions. Love and, um, <laughs> I don't know. So the ones that we watched, we watched the, the 1968 yeah. one that everybody watched in school. The yes, there was a boobin. Apparently, that's what every young boy remembers. I don't remember that at all. But like, as soon as I said which one I was watching, like my husband and my roommate were like, "The one with the boobs." <laughs> I was like, "What is that? All you took from that movie?" I noticed too. There was also butt. Oh, there was there was full, definitely butt. Full butt. Yeah, that was way better. Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually. Um, I never watched it in school. Oh, really? Because I went to oh, a weird yeah. Christian school and they were weird about anything but. that was, well, yeah, they were, <laughs> they were weird about anything that wasn't like of the word content and media wise, Ooh. including music and Did you have film. to do like the Jesus version of Romeo and Juliet? We talked about the book, but I don't think the viewing was like part of the curriculum yeah. because of its depiction of the story, but we still talked about the story and the play <laughs> itself. Yeah, it's, the place is so silly. I did acting classes and stuff like mm-hmm. that in like high school and like some in college and stuff. Yeah. And everybody just loves making you do this for some reason. They love like, okay, you two pair off and you're going to do like the nurse and Julia in this scene. Go. Yeah. Like it's like beating a dead horse. Yeah. They use it so fucking much. The big moments. I will say, I yeah. think the language of Shakespeare is sick. There's a lot of it that's like coded and fun and like interesting sure. and i i will the the language itself is awesome thematically though this story and i mean granted it's a story that was written how the fuck long ago so in that case i'm like maybe simple however it's still hella simple <laughs> yeah well and so like through this viewing i tried to like everybody's gone into so much depth about like love versus lust versus all this like they they focus yeah. so much on on the love story that they mm-hmm. don't talk about anything else within that or like within like the characters themselves or the families or like the world building and stuff. So most of my notes are really centric around that. Also, because on this viewing, I was like, this is not about Romeo and Juliet at all. No. So anyways, I'm really excited to yeah. get into it. The second film that we watched, because we didn't mention that, we did. was uh, the 1996 uh, the Baz MTV Lerman Presents. Uh, Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> With Leo, where he's just wet the whole time. <laughs> I mean, he he's, was in a pool the whole time. Well, he was in a pool and then so. in the rain and then like sweaty, but like stayed sweaty. And it's like nighttime and he's like, oh, my bandage hurts. I'm sweating. And you're like... 
cool you're just like gonna stay wet the whole show we love it like i mean great. there was the whole thing about like water and like they're only themselves when they see each other in and through water oh yeah so like i mean maybe it's just that he's just always himself oh god he's just so wet because he's so transparent oh, oh, no. i hate it oh god we're getting into this okay let's just jump in okay let's <laughs> All do this. Right. great ah! In 14th century Verona, two opposing families, the Montagues and Capulets, are at war with one another. The Montague boys crash a Capulet party where Liverboy Romeo serenades a very young Juliet, winning her heart instantaneously. The infatuated couple quickly realize they're from warring families, so they do what any logical person would do. Juliet gives Romeo her heart, makes it real, and we will not be forgetting about it. The Capulet nurse sneaks letters to Romeo, then Friar Lawrence marries the couple in secret. Hush, hush. Tybalt starts another street fight. Mercutio dies, kind of Romeo's fault. Romeo becomes engaged and slays Tybalt, his wife's cousin, hours after the ceremony. Romulette, bang, and Romeo bounces. <laughs> Juliet fakes her death to get out of marrying another dude. And in very smooth fashion, Romeo misses the memo and kills himself. Juliet wakes up, is sad, also kills herself, the end featuring Rob Thomas. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so as we were saying in the intro, overplayed as hell story. Um, well, this is the one where like it feels like so many love stories are based on. It's the romanticizing of like of young irresponsible love and like the romantic infatuation with romantic infatuation that most people have, where it's like that period of lusting over somebody is like so monumentally important that like they're willing to kill over it and it doesn't matter what how that affects other people it's like this this quote-unquote love which really is just horniness is more important than life itself uh yeah kind of yeah well because that to me all this really is is just them falling into that infatuative period of love where they're like i want to be around you i want to touch you i want to see you i want to feel you i want to fuck you i want to do all these things all the time no matter what it's done like that's all this is. And I mean, they, their relationship is like six days long. Well, also probably because like it's taboo, right? So like when something is like not allowed, then you want it even more. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, so. Yeah. But what this whole movie was about or like movie, what this whole fucking play is about is like the harmfulness of toxic masculinity and how it destroys everyone around you. Yeah. Because like the kids are just because they're kids in this fucking movie. Yeah. They are really just byproducts of the hatred that like their parents have for each other and like their families you know yeah. like so they're like like so many young people do they like counter scripted what their parents are right mm -hmm. so like they're so excited and lovely and like you know even in the beginning of the film like romeo is just kind of like he's not a part of that first gang fight that we see or anything he's just kind of like off doing his own thing picking flowers or whatever the fuck right? oh yeah he was he was on a stroll and he's chill yeah because <laughs> he doesn't give a shit about this whole like blood feud which everybody else has caught it then right yeah and oh, yeah. like the same with juliet she doesn't care she's just like chill <laughs> she's like, these are my this is my parents party i don't really care <laughs> yeah it, like Okay, like exactly. if I have to be here, I have to be here. I guess I'll dance. Fine. Uh, give me those bells. Yeah, <laughs> give, put, give me the bells and let me shake my wrist. Like ring, ring. Yeah, I get it. It's yeah, cute. Sure. whatever. <laughs> um, to me, that's what this whole story was about. Is it just like how damaging toxic masculinity is, yeah. and how it literally destroys everybody, and how like generational like hatred and things like that can like not only destroy a family within itself, but also the future of the families because. 
at the end, the husband and wife of like both opposing families are like a lot older, so they're probably not going to be able to have children. Yeah. And so like they've essentially like because this is like the only son and the only daughter, right? So they ended their bloodline because of the hatred that they bore for one another. Yeah. They were not only their own destruction, but their entire legacy's destruction as well. Truly, yeah. And for what? To what end? And why? Like, why was it so necessary to continue and perpetuate We never get that. You notice that? We never understand why they don't like each other or when the... We don't know how long the feud has been going on. We don't know why it started or anything. We just know they don't like each other. Yeah. And we just understand that that is the fact. And any of the outlying families who are, like, associated with the friendship within there, like Mercutio or, or whoever, right... At the end of the day, they're kind of like, fuck both of y'all. Like, you guys oh, sure. all suck. Thanks for ruining our town. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, like, at the beginning, though, they all subscribe to it. They're all, like, egging it on, and they're oh, all, yeah. like, you know, on board for all of this one, stuff, right? One side's Orange Julius, the other side is a hot dog on a stick. Straight up, the costuming, those pants are a hot dog on a stick uniform. And the other one, like, they're just, like, the tightest pants, full-on wiener pockets, like, that whole thing. So it's like Orange Julius v. Hot Dog on a Stick mall fights is what I saw the whole time. And so that first brawl, they're just like, I say you, so-and-so, well, your mother. And they're like, oh, my goodness. And it's like so silly. And they're like, Ugh, it was also, so like, goofy. It felt like they knew that they were being silly. Like when when the boys were fighting or when they were like, you know, doing whatever, it felt very much like, oh, this is fun. Like, this is just kind of what we do. Right. Yeah. And that's why nobody takes Mercutio seriously when he's dying and everything, because he's this big fucking jokester and everything. Right? Oh, yeah. Which I love. And he's like, he subscribes to this whole world and what's happening. And he picked a side and he did the whole thing because he wants to be involved and because it's it's the talk of the town and because yeah. they're like, but the only time he denounces it is when he is a victim of it. Yeah. Where he's right? like, you guys caused this. Fuck you both. But really, he also was perpetuating that, too. Well, yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with sort of. Because I'm sure he established these friendships from a young age and not being a Montague or a Capulet, he's sort of growing up in this space. And like a lot of silly people do when they're hanging out with their friends that like, especially young people, they'll say or do kind of whatever is of the hive mind of whatever is like kind of going on. You'll kind of like fall into, oh, yeah, I also don't like that movie or I also this or I also that or sure. And so when they're like play fighting, I'm sure there's an ounce of it that feels like we all know this is pretend we're kind of perpetuating the idea that our parents bestowed on us. As far as their hatred for each other, um, to a certain extent, obviously, Tybalt is hella pissed at times, especially in that fight, because some of some of the insults get- He's also get, the cousin. Because so, he's also the cousin, so yeah. he's familial. Yeah he's, yeah, he's a part of the family. But it is unfortunate, because, yeah, nobody, like, to me, everyone's kind of a willing participant in this. I don't like any of these people. They're all perpetuating this idea, for the most part. I think- if anybody is out of it, it's Juliet, but even still, she's like playing into it. I don't know. It's just somebody can just be like, hey, I don't want to participate or like I'm leaving. Bye. Well, we don't even get like those stories, right? No. Like, I mean, I'm sure that they exist and that they're there, but yeah. like. Come on, it- Shakespeare, step it up. What the fuck? <laughs> like, give us more stories. Um, let's talk about Romeo. Let's talk about what kind of person he is. He, what I have written for him is he's impulsive, sad, delusional, privileged, and a soft boy. Does yes. that sound? I would include soft boy as well as fuck boy. Ooh, I think yeah. there there are definitely hints and moments specifically where he's kind of like, oh, I'm here and we're not fucking. Why is that? 
Yeah, there you was that I mean. really fucking gross line. That one line. Uh, yeah, would that would that leave me so unsatisfied? Yes. And, and she's like, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about satisfaction of our love. And he's like, oh, okay, I guess that works. And in that moment, I'm like, oh, he's just a straight up fuck boy. Like, yeah. That's. Yeah, so, he really is. 100%. Well, and then, okay, so he, first of all, he was involved with another girl at the beginning of the story. And when he fucked with Julia and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, Rosaline, he's like, who's that? Like, this girl, right? Yeah. So that's perpetuating that fuck boy thing, mm-hmm. right? And then he sits on the sidelines and doesn't try to help anybody until he's forced to do something. Like the nurse, right? When she comes to, like, find out where Julia is going to get married, all this other stuff. Yeah. She comes up, and because she's a Capula, everybody is fucking with her hardcore. They they go so far as to, like, put their head under her skirt and be like, oh, it smells so bad down oh, there. Oh, that was terrible, Like, yeah. it was really fucking horrifying. And to a character that I actually really fucking love, and I can't wait to get into her yeah. character. But he, like, sat on the sidelines and didn't even fucking stick up for her until, like, the very end. He's just like, oh, no, no, no. Like, so he lets the boys have their fun and do their thing, right? Until he wants the information from her. Until he wants to know about Julia. Until, yeah. And then he's like, oh, don't worry about them. They're good dudes. You You don't know them like I know them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, like, you know, just uh, dismisses their actions because he knows them and he hangs out with them. So he can't reckon with the fact that they are actual bad, like, (laughs) horrible people. That they're just shit. That they're just not good people. (laughs) Yeah. And I really, really hated that because, like, he's supposed to be, like, the stand-up dude or whatever. But he's really just kind of perpetuating all of that. Oh, 100%. And allowing it to continue. He's allowing it to continue, but he's also doing it himself. like. Let's look at when he meets Juliet at the dance, how not into it she is and how he's so predatory and kind of just like keeps leaning in. And she's like, no. And then oh, I forget what line he's uh, let lips do what hands do. They pray, be it away from despair. Juliet's like, it's a bad idea. Romeo's like, no, because hands touch to pray for good things. So if we pray with our mouths, good things will happen. Essentially mm-hmm. is what he's saying. And yeah. she's like. Well, maybe. And it's just like, this is, she's obviously not stoked. He's like 19 and she's like 11 is what yeah. it looks like. And it's just like, dude, stop. Like, just, you're gr- like, you're, duh. I know it's like. Again, it's like, it's, he's privileged, right? So he feels like, because he's also the son of this really powerful family and stuff yes. like that, right? So he's privileged and he's like, he is not used to being told no just throughout the whole movie, it's like, okay, well, you don't want me. You do actually want me. And this is why. Yeah. And then, uh, well, like, okay, like, his friends, like, after he marries, like, Juliet, he thinks that everything is going to be fucking fine between these families and everything. And he's, like, trying to get in between this fight where, like, you know, it's probably getting a little bit more serious. But at the same time, like, he's like, no, 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 everything is fine. Dear cousin, blah, blah, blah. Right. And by not realizing what he's doing. He gets his friend killed. Yeah. Because that's not how it was supposed to happen in his head. He gets super pissed off and then he like goes after Tybalt. But like the whole thing happens because he's like, no, 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 you guys see like everything's fine now. See like and it's just like, dude, just because you think something should be some like doesn't mean that everybody is going to subscribe to how you feel. Exactly. Yeah. You're not what you want. Just because your privilege oftentimes dictates that you get things that you want and things that you think should you should have or goes according to what plan you have doesn't mean that you're going to get that. And in this very yeah. specific instance of that kind of uh, lack of foresight, 
he gets his friend killed who has nothing to do with either family and then he can't like rec- he can't recognize that he was at fault for that yeah and he just blames that strictly on tipple and yeah. goes and kills him and never once in this entire thing is he remorseful or like does he reflect on his actions or what he's done or like think about like the repercussions for his family or anybody but himself right and then when after he kills tibble he runs to friar lawrence to be hidden or whatever and he is being a fucking baby over there just like i like why not sentence me to death banishment he says being banished is worse than dying and that is what the fuck are you talking about so this is that shitty uh like sort of male masculine perspective of apology um that i really want to talk about in the sense that like he's not necessarily apologizing but he's kind of doing the self-forgiveness thing where when he tells tibble during the fight mercutio is like somewhere overhead like he just recently died and one of us if not both of us are going to join him so his way of kind of forgiving himself in this moment is like, well, he's dead, so I'm going to die too if it means killing you, sort of a thing. Yeah. And in the same way, he's like, banishment is worse than death, just fucking kill me. It's like, you're so severe. Chill <laughs> out. Oh my god, queen. Just say you're sorry. Like, acknowledge your flaws. Don't just be like, how could this have happened? I'm this and that. And it's like, no, you're silly. You're a stupid, silly, straight guy. Stop it. Like, well, because he doesn't make mistakes, He right? doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, it's so... I mean, it's it's apparent and it's unfortunate, obviously, because it's like a tragedy. But like, he's just so he's not good. <laughs> like that whole bullshit. I just I do think it's really interesting that guys are so severe in that way, or like the idea of masculinity as itself, like apart from the binary. Um, this idea of like, well, I'm like, it's it goes back to the whole Batman clause thing of mm-hmm. like. Well, I'm Batman and I can't talk about my feelings and I can't do this. It's like, well, I'd rather die than cry. I'd Even rather though- die than talk about how I feel. And it's like, he's dead and so should I be because I'm a valiant hero. I'm a hero. Hero, I'm a hero. You're like, shut up. Even though Romeo is presented kind of as a person that is in touch with his feelings, right? Because oh, he's a soft, he's, he's a soft poet. Because he's a soft boy, right? Yeah. Like we first see him with like flowers and with this mm-hmm. and like, oh, but it's love and yeah. all of that. But like, it's really confusing to me how that was portrayed. It's sort of like leading the way of justification for all this badness to be like, well, he's the he's the empathetic one. He's the emotional one. He's the he's not like the other men of this town because he is attracted to women, (laughs) I guess, is the sort of forgiveness aspect of the storytelling here where we're supposed to like empathize or be on board with the love because he's like he's romantic and not. Like what? But like he's he said, not romantic. He kind of like forces himself on her, he and does. like kind of it's, like pushes. Like, will do you leave me so unsatisfied? Like, let hands do, or what? Let lips do what hands yeah, do, right? And they pray, and it's good. But, and lips, the smooch, like. But then he like, so this whole thing, like, he throws away everything for love, right? Yeah. The only thing he's not willing to throw away for love, if Friar Lawrence hadn't talked him out of it, he would have killed himself. Oh, yeah. Straight up, because he is super suicidal sitting there on the floor of Friar Lawrence's cell or whatever, right? And so, like, the only thing that is above love for him is himself and, like, revenge. And, like you said, is are those, like, male, masculine traits, right? Yeah. Everything is fine until, like, suddenly shit gets real and then he's not a soft boy anymore than he's this. Yeah. And in that 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 weird sort of valiancy or heroism, those are both in big big quotes. Um, that it's it's the same mentality that justifies war. It's the same mentality that justifies yes. retaliation and vengeance and all of that bullshit. Where it's like, 
well, I have to be valiant. I have to be the hero for my people. And so, well, so do they. So violence begets violence. Where do you stop? How do you, fin- how do you finish this? Cause y'all are silly. You guys are all doing silly shit. Like who's going to be the one to end it? Also, this like, is partly your fault. This is, yeah. By, by doing the action itself, you're perpetuating exactly what's been done to you, but neither one of you can recognize or empathize the other side of the conversation. So no, it's never going to end. You love violence more than anything. You love death more than anything. And it's very apparent because you're not willing to have a conversation about it. And that's the real tragedy is like, fuck most of these people because they're all of that same mentality. It's mm-hmm. that same tit for tat, life for life, whatever. And it's so tired. Again, it's just like all that bullshit. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> this story promotes war and I'm not here for it. <laughs> Yeah, I want to talk about uh, Juliet now, and then I want to talk about their relationship because I feel separately about their actions that they took for their relationship than I do about them as people. Okay. Juliet is truly very young, very innocent, impressionable, naive, and was just completely devastated by family dynasty and patriarchy because like she all, all the shit she was getting at home right from her dad papa capulet who's a fucking horrible person and i want to punch in the face yeah. so bad but like i like that she even though like romeo was like trying to be like oh this is what i want like it would you leave me unsatisfied she was like are you gonna marry me like straight up like she yeah. did not give him an inch because even though she was like infatuated with him and all this other stuff, I feel like part of her was still a little bit conscious because she was like, if I'm going to go against my parents and do all this stuff, you have to marry me because I need to know that you're sure and you're not going to fucking leave. Yeah. You know, that you're not playing me that it's not going to be. Yeah. And she also has that kind of cognizance too, even in the moment where they meet, like she kind of asked herself, like, why the fuck did he kiss me? Why am I falling in love with him? Why did that work? Why mm-hmm. am I now feeling something towards this person who I don't like? Which is its own conversation, but I do think that, like, she does throughout the entire process maintain that cognizance and maintain that sort of, like, as a person is not necessarily putting up with the foolishness and fuckery of somebody like Romeo, who who yeah. has that privilege and is kind of forcing that very clear agenda and very clear, like, suave or whatever <laughs> bull, bullshit male thing that he has. And she's kind of like, mm, I see that, but also, like, if you're going to do it, do it right. So what do you want to do? Yeah. So yeah. like we're getting married tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Great. And uh, I'm going to send somebody and yeah. you better have everything fucking ready. Yeah. And so I kind of love that she kind of drove him like that. Yeah. Because like, like I thought that was like pretty chill, but a lot of it felt like a lot of it up until this very specific scene where she like pretty much tells the nurse to fuck off. Like a lot of that felt very like innocent, very like, Oh, like we're playing house. Like it felt very performative. It felt like she didn't realize what she was doing or like, mm-hmm. oh, like this is what this is. This is everything. Right. And then once she realized that there are consequences and had to wake up from that sort of like love fever dream that was happening because like her cousin was dead and like yeah. she was going to be forced to marry this other person. When she told the nurse to get out of her chamber, that was when I was like, you're empowered now. Yeah. Like this is your time now. Yeah. And I feel like everything after that was when she was being extremely deliberate about her actions and about what she was doing. Well, and just like planning to leave, like planning on how to get away from the toxicness that is these two families and this town, right? Well, she was going to go to Romeo, but like... No, but what I'm saying is because after that, there was like the forced marriage with that other person. And she was like, well, how do I escape this? How do I leave my parents? Okay, fake my own death. Cool. Got it. We're doing it. Then later I'll wake up and we can leave and people will think I died. 
sick, doesn't matter, I'm trying to get out of a toxic environment, I need to go, uh, I'm going to bring this boy who I still want to smooch. Because um, at that point, she's like, seriously, fuck my family, fuck yeah. privilege, fuck this, because like her dad says some really fucking gross things to her. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's that's when she starts to, it sucks because like, when she comes into her own is when she starts to be manipulative. And that's when she manipulates her dad and is like, oh, well, I I went to church and I'm so sorry and I'll get married. I'll do whatever you want, daddy. Yeah. You know, and when she when she starts just kind of playing everybody, that's when she's like, nobody's ever cared about me. So you can all sit here and think I'm dead. I don't care. Yeah. You know, that's fine with me. I don't yeah. like at this point, your actions have kind of led me to believe that I'm sort of dead to you already in any sense, because you guys sort of appreciate this subtle warfare more than you appreciate the the livelihood of your family Mm -hmm. so by that definition i mean nothing to you and therefore i'm dead to you so i'm gonna go yeah because i mean like okay so some of the stuff she says to her dad is in order to say she's sorry she says henceforth i am ever ruled by you and then he's like his line is i'm glad of it and so she's saying like you control me and he's like fucking good this is how oh this is as it should be was his next line after that And, like, it goes back to, like, the roles of women in this film are that you have no right to exist or to feel anything. Oh, 100%. And the women, like, the first time we see them is when they ask their dudes not to fight, but they're brushed off. Like, no, no, no. Like, we're going to do what we want. Fuck off. And then even the mom doesn't stick up for her own daughter. You can see that she was uncomfortable that she was a child bride herself and all of this, right? But she, knowing that she didn't like it and knowing how she felt and everything, can't acknowledge that and can't even give her daughter, like, the, like, I understand look or anything because of fear out of the father and what he's going to do. Yeah, because I'm sure at this point, too, violence is not necessarily out of the question. Like, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if he is just a straight-up physical abuser as well as a mental and emotional abuser, right? Because he's just a full-on piece of shit. Yeah. And he's obviously abusive, but I'm sure some of that fear, especially on the mother's side, stems from the possibility of that. Yeah. Which is... Well, and a lot of that is perpetuated, too, because the men are not held accountable for their actions. Oh, no. So, like, when the Montagues go to the Capulet party, Mm -hmm. and they all have masks, and I think it's Papa Capulet that's like, he like endorses it. He's like, Oh, you guys go have your fun, go do whatever. And I felt, I got the feeling that the masks were so the young men didn't have to be responsible about what they were doing. It it was like, Oh, I remember back, back when I wore the mask, blah, 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 go enjoy it. Have fun. You know, like I got the feeling that people were probably being raped in the corner. Yeah. That's what this was. So in this moment, (laughs) Papa Capulet is willing to forgive the feud of the two houses in order to bond with the young men in the situation to be like, <laughs> I was a young man once who fucked you guys go enjoy blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, cool. So this whole thing that like is getting your family killed and has been killing people in this town for years. And is this big feud. You're willing to overlook that because you're like, those kids want to bang, like let them go be. I boys was once, will be boys. Boys will be boys. Exactly. It, the boy, like that idea, that sort of camaraderie, that, that male friend, that male camaraderie, that like, male centric centrism of all of it is more important than the feud itself but we've been told that the feud is more important than life itself so let's look at (laughs) exactly what the story is it's male centric it's it is 
like most stories <laughs> for and about the men. At the very least, women had their own scenes and were, had speaking parts and everything, yeah. unlike the next one, which I'm very stoked to talk about. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, but like, okay, so the one person that doesn't really subscribe to this or like not outwardly is the nurse. Yes. And I love how that woman played the nurse. Love, yes. love, love. Because like she was just so funny and she was so... um so rebellious and mm-hmm. like crude and like rude and all that like i loved her well even in that tit for tat moment with the montague boys on the steps where they're being full-on pieces of shit to her she's giving it like, right back to them she's giving it right back to them before yeah. he like goes up under her dress and she's like what the that's- fuck like that's now you guys are fucking assholes like fuck off yeah but she was 100 percent handing it right back to them i love the I part where like yeah. romeo is like gonna give her like a coin or something i forget why but they're in the church and like she's like talk they're like arranging the marriage and oh, and, she she's, puts- and then uh he's like here and she's like no 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 put that shit away and then he's like okay well i'm gonna give it to the church and she's like no 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 you give that to me <laughs> like she's like fuck them yeah. i'm gonna take this like yeah. like okay i'll take it fine <laughs> yeah i got this but like so in this whole thing like she is really Juliet's mom right she's the caretaker she's the one that knows her really well she's the one that's like having a good time and everything and like i wanted to like there's some like throwaway lines that the nurse had that just made me so 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 sad because everyone she's related to is dead her daughter is dead because she was too good for her, so she died from like an illness or things like that. Oh, geez. Like there's these these little lines that she that she says like to just make you realize how lonely she is and yeah. why she put so much into this family and into Juliet in particular. Mm-hmm. And I had to like stop the thing and was like the weight of that. Like I never really saw that. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. And she's also like the only person that's like actually excited for Juliet in anything she's the one that like is her greatest ally she's and her, her champion she is yeah. yeah and she's the only one who listens to her too because nobody nobody else really listens to her I mean Romeo really doesn't because he's like he just wants to bone he just wants to bone exactly and her parents her parents do not like her um, so she's really the only kind of friend that Juliet has who's willing to listen and to posit questions and posit ideas and be like is that really what you want like what do you actually want who are you? How do you feel? What was today like? What happened? Who is this boy you're talking about? Tell me about him. I want to know. Yeah. Like, she's the only person who's like in her life that's actually kind of in her life. And I think that's why Julia is so uh, naive because she, unlike anybody else in this story, actually had somebody that she could relate to and talk to and everything. Yeah. And then like literally when she tells her her nurse to get out of the room, that's when I felt like she really took control of that nerd and she grew up. Because she, like, that's the one time that the nurse, like, that she's ever seen her just kind of say, like, I'm sorry, but you just have to, there's no way out of this. Yeah. There's no sugarcoating this. You're going to have to marry the prince. Yeah. And that's when she gives up. And that's when she feels betrayed, you know, because suddenly, like, the world isn't this beautiful, shining place that she thought it was. And there are consequences. And there are, you know, consequences to being a woman and all this other stuff in this world. So now that's when she's aware of her place. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I guess I didn't, because I this this is also something I wanted to talk about as far as like Shakespearean theory. We are by no means big Shakespeare. At least for me, I'm not a big Shakespearean head. <laughs> In that way, like I I haven't spent time really reading a lot of his plays or diving in because there's it's a lot of the content itself is so dense when it comes yeah. to just like the wording and the intricacies and the character building and the world building and all that stuff. Like very intentional. It's very 
succinct with the iambic pentameter and all that stuff. It's like very, very particular, very nuanced. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it. So a lot of where I'm coming from is just like a lot of surface level shit and a lot of like some lines that like you'll catch. But again, some of those lines like with her, I didn't even notice because how quickly the, the play is sort of paced and to kind of just like breeze over these small moments of character development that are like sort of being exposed to us in real time. Right. Well, I think a lot of it too is like, you know, there's so much hype around this film and yeah. around or around this story right and mm-hmm. about romeo and juliet the fucking thing is named after them right yeah that it makes it really hard for there to be any room for anybody else or any other sort of criticisms of this because we're supposed to be so focused on them yeah um the nurse just carried it for me mm-hmm. like because she's just like she was such delight whenever she like walked on screen i was like this is gonna be i'm ready yeah talk to me let's <laughs> talk <know? laughs> uh, let's do this yeah um i do want to talk about the role of the church in this. Okay. Because the church also loves to uh, uh, support patriarchy. Because, like, the, the church is, like, the pillar of, like, patriarchal wisdom and guidance is how I felt. Our first introduction is when Romeo goes to see Friar Lawrence. He's like, oh, what's going on? How is the party? And I forget exactly what the conversation was, but, like, Friar Lawrence is like, oh, you fucked? Like, yeah, whatever. God forgives you. Whatever. Right? Yeah. And then when he says that I want to marry Juliet, he's like, what the fuck do you mean you want to get married? Like, oh, yeah, go fuck. Wait, what do you mean you want to get married? Yeah. Right? And the only reason he consents to marry them is because he thinks that it's going to stop this fight or whatever. Yeah. I don't like the fire. <laughs> he, well, because then Cause like- he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to marry you guys. But he marries them in secret. He marries them in and secret. And he doesn't tell the families. He doesn't, like... He his motivation is to try to like get the families to stop fighting. How how, how is yeah. this supposed to help? Yeah. <laughs> and I also like later on when Romeo is like kind of wallowing in his own self pity, she's like, Standing ye be a man to him and he's just kinda like, No, I'm not going to and then the friar is just like those cries are womanish. Yeah. And oh, like I all of that bullshit. Too. I was just like it's that whole conversation about language that we talk about with just like Words carry weight, and that weight means something. So, like, just, like, constantly reiterating this idea of what it means to be man and a male and to exist and to carry power and, like, be a man and stop crying because crying is for women. It's just, like, this all this gendered bullshit about, like, what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman as a way to, like, for the patriarchy to control women. And then on top of that, just keeping the stupid fucking binary in existence and being like that's not what boys did like all of that bullshit is so stupid well and like to reiterate that here's another line he said women may fall when there's no strength in men (laughs) Mm. Uh, yeah and he's not really very religious the whole time right the only time he is religious is when it is convenient for him when he's leaving the church because like he goes to get juliet realize that romeo and juliet are dead right he says that the greater powers have decided that their love wasn't meant to be, you know, trying to say like, oh, this is God's fault. God decided that they shouldn't be. And like, uh, he runs away from like, he literally runs away from what he did. And he's like, oh, no, God decided we made a mistake. And he like fucking ran rather than owning up to this stuff. And yeah. rather than trying to like bring these families together, like he like it was his original intention, supposedly. And like. There's this other piece of advice that he tells them, which is like, love moderately because love happens as quickly as the passion which you experience it. 
which by that logic, if you marry somebody that you think is okay, you'll be married forever. But if you marry somebody out of lust, like these two kids, then it's just going to be done. And so he should have recognized that. Yeah. Like, he was such a contradictory character. I can't. Yeah. And like like you said, especially with this whole, he's doing this to make a political statement with the families to end this big war. Like, then in this moment, why not start the conversation? You were there. Mm -hmm. Talk about why you did it. Talk about why it's important. Talk about why it's important to not shine prejudice against this love and talk about why it's a uniting thing as a instead of uh, something that rains death on the town or reaps the lives of innocent people involved or tertiary characters or tertiary family members who are involved in this. Like, start a conversation, fucko. What are you doing? Like, like, and then you're just going to be like, well, it's God's will and we don't need to talk about it and I'm going to leave. And you're like, you're, no, dude. <laughs> Another Stand dude up, like, that can't like, you know. Talk about what you're, talk about how you <laughs> feel, talk about what you actually think and don't, like, <sighs> it's, this sort of praising of quote unquote courage in the face of violence versus praising quote unquote courage in the face of um vulnerability. Like to have that conversation means to be vulnerable, but he'd rather say like, don't cry, stand up and be a man. Like he wants to show again, big quotes, courage in these times that promote violence or that have to do with anything that isn't vulnerability. Because yeah. the church can't be seen as vulnerable. No, no. Or fallible or no. anything. No, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> you want to hear another gross dude that was involved yeah. with the production of this film? Yes. So how do you say the director's name? Zafirelli? Sure, yeah, that sure. works. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, he initially turned down the actress that played Julia uh, Hussey, is her name, because he thought she was overweight. And then... Later on, like something happened and she ended up getting the part anyway, right? Um, he became concerned with Olivia Hesse's full figure during filming and ordered that no more pasta be served on set. Mind you, they're filming in Italy. Mm-hmm. How gross is that? And then later on in her autobiography, Olivia wrote that he fell in love with her during the filming and later confessed that she was the unrequited love of his life and the object of his adoration. So he was trying... Boys are so fucking gross. He was trying to, like, control her fucking body while he's like, "Uh, is that gross? Yeah, that's fucking gross. Okay, so, audience poll. (laughs) Are we surprised? (laughs) Not at all. Does that make this any, does that like minimize this? No. Fuck that guy. That's so silly. That's Isn't so. Isn't that fucking gross? That's so gross. <sighs> Daddy, chill. What the fuck? Like, stop. <laughs> why do, why, why do, mm, ugh. Okay. Yep. <laughs> we don't mm. need to keep going on that. Fuck him. That's so. so gross. But I had to say that because that was really fucking No, disgusting. thank you for bringing that up. That's like super gross. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I want to talk about one thing. Because okay. there wasn't really a lot about it that I liked. I don't really like the story of Romeo and Juliet. I don't really like characters for the most part. There's some re- redemptive qualities in some, but largely no. I do want to talk about, and I don't think that like, I don't know who's going to like care about this really or like come for me for this, but Mercutio being sort of like gay <laughs> or like queer coded in some way. So the whole conversation like, He's essentially Romeo's like best friend, right hand man. Like he always wants to be there. And then when Romeo like ditches them at the party to go be with this girl, he like 
why are you going? Why are you like leaving? Like, fuck her. Who cares? Like, let's just all hang. Like, we're, we're best. You're my best friend. Like, why are you going to hang out with this girl? I thought I'm important to you. And he like leaves. And then later, or they're hanging out. He's like, so what was that? Like, well, why weren't you hanging out with me? We're like, we're supposed to be buds. Like, did you have fun? Like, but whatever. Like, I don't really care. And he's so willing to like jump and stick up for Romeo. He also talks about his sword as his dick a lot. Yes, uh, he does. Uh, so he's like very phallic minded in that way. He's also, I mean, if it's not a romantic crush, it's definitely like a platonic crush that he has on Romeo, like for fact. But I do think that the coding of this character was very gay and very sexually charged and romantic. Cause I really do think that's, I mean, that's the reason that he wanted to stick up for Romeo. I think you could even argue just on the surface level without going into the text itself that Mercutio was a part of this group because he loved Romeo and he wanted to be in the Montague clique. He wanted to be there because he's in love with Romeo. He wants to be with Romeo. He wants to be wherever Romeo is at, no matter what. And I like, even that. even that whole moment of like the fighting and, and like perpetuating this thing. And he's, it's like he's fighting for Romeo's pride. He's like fighting for Romeo's attention. He's fighting for Romeo's honor is almost what it felt yeah. like. He was doing that weird prideful thing where he's like, you'll not say that about my love. I mean, best friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why Romeo's like, stop. He's like, no, no one's going to talk to my best friend like that. Hoo-wah! Like, it just, none of it's actualized. None of it's, none of it comes to fruition in any sort of real context apart from speculative. But I think there's a lot to be said from the inference of like the phallicness of all that. And I know that, a lot of Shakespeare's work is like hypersexual. A lot of the puns and a lot of the sort of small moments are like, ooh. And so those phallic dick jokes are like part of that. Yeah. But a lot of it's coming from Mercutio. So it's a choice to make this one character talk about that often enough and all of the bromance shit. But yeah, I think Mercutio's gay. I think that's canon. That's what I believe. Well, and I- that's that's really interesting that you said that because like when you think about like the Capulets and the Montagues, the Capulets we only get to see the mother and the father and the nurse. Yes. And then for the Montagues, the only people that we see are Mercutio and Benvolio, mm-hmm. right? Like Tibble is like kind of in there somewhat, but like it's like Mercutio has that whole monologue about Queen Mab while they're on the way to the Capulet party, right? Where he's talking about, like, the Queen of the Pixies or mm-hmm. whatever, right? And then at the end of it, he's, like, kind of suicidal. Like, he's he goes from, like, having fun to, like, anger to, the to like, just complete... Dis- he kind of has a full existential crisis he super in does. that moment where he's just kind of like, everything's fine, actually nothing matters or exists, and why am I alive? <laughs> and you're like... Ooh, you got a lot. Like, there's a lot happening He's in your life. He's the deepest life. character in this mm-hmm. entire thing. Which lends me to believe that, like, a lot of these, again, like, kind of simple, unexamined characters who are just kind of, like, going with the flow of the feud, going with the flow of the violence, going with the flow of, like, whatever my parents told me. Mercutio is not like that. He's very, exa- he's, like, kind of constantly examining things and asking Romeo questions, whether or not that's, like, a romantic lead he's still like well he's choosing he's also choo- he's making, to be a part of this he's choosing to be a part of it because he's not a part of the family so there's a lot to say with somebody like him who it seems like has spent a lot of time thinking about himself in this place and like that's what a lot of gay and queer people do it's like seeing yourself in the world doesn't really exist for you so you have to think about who you are and how you are in the world so it's like from a young age examining how you exist 
And so you're immediately thrust, like at like however old, thrust into that sort of uh, self-reflective. How am I going to live in this world? Like, how am I going to exist when I don't see myself or see people like me pretty much anywhere? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, I mean, you grow up and you find your families and all that stuff. But it it felt like his whole character the whole time to me felt very like, oh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he's going through it. I've been exactly where he's been. I know. I know that thinking. I know that thought. I know that. Love that because I, I, you know, being a straight white woman, Mm -hmm. I never even thought about that character like that but now that you're bringing that to my attention i'm just like holy shit like that adds so much and like just that that monologue like it it adds such a level to this character yeah where i would love to get mercutio's story i would subscribe to that i would i want to hear his story like in the same way they did the what the rosencrantz and gildenstern Oh, Again, I'm not a big, yeah, 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 yeah. but I, I do, I think, but in the same way that you're getting like a different side of a story, yeah, like a different perspective, it would be cool to see up to Mercutio's death, like that would be he was and how he existed. Yeah. And I do like, since we're about to go into the next one, that it was a very clear and conscious choice to make Mercutio a sort of femme male presenting person or uh, whether or not it's actualized that he is gay, he is generally feminine. He is generally he does drag at the party. He's like, he's not afraid to be animated or gesticular in, in, in mannerisms. He's so unlike the other men in his life. Yeah. In that way. Because again, it's not like in the text, there's nowhere that it's like, I'm gay. But it was a very clear and distinct choice to be like, we see you, Mercutio. Here you go. And then he's like this femme dude in the next one. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm into that. Dude, let's get into the next one. Okay, let's do the next one. Okay. In 20th century Verona, two opposing families, the Montagues and Capulets, are at war with one another. The Montague boys and a drug-induced stupor crash a Capulet party where lover boy Romeo serenades a legal-aged Juliet, <laughs> winning her heart instantaneously. The infatuated couple quickly realize they're from warring families, so they do what any logical person would do, hide in a pool and make out. The Capulet nurse sneaks letters to Romeo, then Friar Lawrence marries the couple in secret. Hush, hush! Tybalt starts another fight, Mercutio dies, Romeo becomes enraged, and maybe too much like his father, slays Tybalt boldly hours after the ceremony. Romeo let bang, then Romeo bounces, Juliet fakes her death to get out of marrying another dude, Romeo misses the memo thanks to FedEx, kills himself, Juliet wakes up, is sad, also kills herself, the end, featuring the sound of doves crying. Gorgeous. That was a Prince reference. <laughs> Anybody in, in didn't get that? Didn't. <laughs> Everybody is going to get the smooth reference, the smooth. but like only the diehard Prince fans will get our Prince reference. And the reason we're referencing, <laughs> if we're going to jump right in, is uh, because let's do it. of the scene when they're getting married in the church, the young boy choir is doing a beautiful five-part rendition of When Doves Cry by Prince. Um. What a masterpiece. So this is Baz Luhrmann's film from 1996. Uh Uh-huh. There's a lot here. I mean, so base level, what we're looking at is, so it's the exact text taken directly from the play in the same way, except this is set in modern day Verona, which is the visual equivalent to Long... Florida? It's like Miami meets Long Island. Yeah. In a weird, like... 
we're Jersey, but we're also also East Coast. Yeah, Jersey and Long Island are the same. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, we're Jersey, but we're also Miami. And look at our shirts, and you're like, ooh, what's happening? These so, like Hawaiian shirt things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will say that it is the same language, mostly the same lines, but they changed some of them to be like, like you were saying earlier, like cuz is cousin. and then for cousin. Yeah. Also, they changed, they took out a lot of stuff and then put in some lines just to reference their dicks more because they, <laughs> they literally reference their dicks so much in this fucking movie. Yeah. But yeah, they took out a lot. Like I didn't notice, like, you know, when I first watched it like years and years ago, right? But this time I was like, holy shit, like, Juliet never talks. I'm going to say like 50% of the things that when we hear the actor yeah. talking, it's all her thinking. Yeah. Even when Tibble is killed and then Romeo comes to bang, everything that she's saying, she's thinking in her head. She doesn't say out loud. And yeah. then Romeo comes in. They don't say a word and they bang. <laughs> like so cool yeah but like it's the first one was a dude story with like some scenes of like a woman in there yeah. right this one was just a dude story oh yeah they took out a lot of her lines and it made it easier for her to be the quote-unquote object of affection or the object of desire mm-hmm. um when she talks less wow can we believe imagine it that. <laughs> imagine oh <my> that <laughs> i will say Natalie Portman was originally supposed to be cast as Juliet. Oh, that would have been. However, and I'm really glad that they made this choice. She was 13 at the time and Leonardo was 21. Yikes. So I'm glad that they made that choice. It's going to be a big yikes on this end over here. So yeah, uh, that was a little bit rough. But Claire Danes is the most boring actor Yes. And I cannot, she's like white bread. There's nothing to her. And it's just plain. And the way she says the lines is just plain. There's no emotion or anything. It is like, (laughs) Romeo, Romeo. (laughs) She's so sleepy. Wherefore art thou, Romeo? (laughs) Oh, sorry. That was, that was too much. Wait. Wherefore art thou, Romeo? (laughs) I, I can't. I can't. Like, I have too much feeling already. But like, she's just so. Bland. She's very so stoic. Bland. And yeah. I can't stand it. I hate it. Also, okay. They made it a race thing. Oh, with like a white family versus a Latino family? Yeah. Yes. Um, but Juliet's white. Yeah, so that 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 kind of leads me to believe that it wasn't necessarily everybody else in that family. With the exce- except for the mom. Yes. And then also if we're looking at like because I know Mercutio is not a part of the quote-unquote family, but if we're looking at, like, gang v. gang, the Montagues were largely white-presenting people, they whereas were all... the Capulets were largely uh, yeah. Latino in, yeah. in some capacity, right? Like, so, so oftentimes in these quarrels, it looked like a gang thing. It, it looked... looked like dumb white beach boys versus religious Latinx hard boys. It was sync versus Menudo. Oh my god. <laughs> this is what this oh movie god. was. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Really, with a couple oh, with no. a couple featured artists thrown in there. Um, I love I love that's, it's, that's that's what it was. I just off the top, I loved it. 
it is such a chaotic mess of bizarre visuals, like hyper color palettes of sweat and like everything was always wet the whole time. And Jamie Kennedy is in it. Why? What are we doing? Like, good for him, I guess. So what the there. fuck? John Leguizamo was great. I thought he, John Leguizamo okay. was fantastic in this movie. He is the best part of this film. I, I, I think I texted you. Like we usually don't talk about yeah, the movies yeah, yeah. beforehand, but like I texted you. It was just like he's fucking everything. He, I mean, he's he, everything. He really did kill it in his in his performance. Like I really didn't like him because he was Tibble. So yeah. like, oh, oh, wait, sorry, I don't know actors' names. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! Wait, Mercutio. John Leguizamo was was uh, Juliet's cousin. Yeah, no, sorry, I, Mer- I've, I've, Mer- Mercutio I've, was Mercutio was everything. Mercutio and was he sick. is everything, and he is everything, yeah. and he is everything. Oh, okay. So I did. I just so I love John Leguizamo, but yes, Mercutio was fantastic. Also, like, and coming directly from the last movie where we're talking about like. The queer coding or like the femininity of sort of a male presenting person. Fucking leaned in so hard. Oh, they just went for it. So like good. immediately they're going to that party. He's like, here's uh, Molly. Let's fucking rage. Right. Here's a pill. Like, let's go for it. And he's also in drag. And he's like, come on, Romeo, dance with me. What the fuck? Like, let's party. <laughs> like, oh, come here, sweet. Like, just being so, so himself in this moment. Just like. Among all these people, and what I loved too about this, because the 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 point of contention was never about <laughs> his femininity or or his sort of queer presenting in some some mm-hmm. way. Um, it was never about that, and I thought that was awesome. Like even these like tough boys uh, with guns, because they all had guns. Yeah. Oh, because also fun fact: the guns were named sword and rapier and dagger and... and all that. So it's like. Put up I my sword and they pull out a gun and they're like, bang, bang. And you're like, this is so silly. I could not. <laughs> I loved it. I fucking could not. But I hated that. all of those guys were like so macho and so uh, quintessential masculine tough guy. And he's like their best friend. And they're like, yeah, that's Mercutio. Great. Cool. Yeah, Great. absolutely. <laughs> and then even like Papa Capulet in this one, like was super queer too. He was hella femme too. Hella. Okay. So- and, and Mama Capulet is off like making out with Tybalt. Oh, she's like, straight up doing drag too. Yeah. At a certain like, point. With oh, that yeah, fucking Cleopatra sure. look. I for was sure. like, oh, this movie is gay. <laughs> yeah, no, I okay. I love the visuals of this film. Yes. The visuals were it was fucking del- great. The visuals were delicious. I fucking hated everything else about the movie. Yeah. I mean, no, and I and I I a hundred percent get it. So okay, going back to like the dad, Juliet's dad being gay. There's a moment at the party when um John Leguizamo Tybalt is kind of like, hey, that's Romeo and that's the Montague boys. Like, <laughs> kick him out. And the dad's like, whoa, chill. What the fuck's your problem? Like, let him party. Let him live. So he's like, daddy bear looking fella, little femme party guy. Tybalt says to the dad, um, we shall not endure him. Like, be like, we shouldn't be around him. And uh, his dad responds by saying, uh, he shall be endured. Like, we're going to fucking keep him here. I listened to it twice without subtitles, and I was almost positive. He says, HIV endured. Oh, shit. (laughs) And I was like, there's no way. There's no way. They're changing it. Like, and so that's why I thought they were like, because I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I was like, oh, did they change the, did they, 
adapt certain because like cuz cousin like maybe they're yeah. adapting certain themes to sort of match it and i was like oh her dad's like hella gay like oh my god he's talking about hiv i was almost fucking certain i had to put on closed captioning i was like he shall be endured oh my god oh, no. <laughs> but with that line by itself i was like it matched the tone as if to say like this is a problem it's like you don't know what real problems are you don't understand like what we went through sort of a thing was the tone. And I was like, Oh my God. Yes. Like, yeah. Give me that story. Give me that. Like, tell me. Yes. That would have been better. Gay dad. Like, let's talk about it. Oh my God. And it wasn't that. Oh, sorry, Mike. It wasn't that. And I was definitely like, Oh, damn it. Fuck. But Mercutio sick. And the dad was like hella femme too, which was like super yeah. fun. Well, but then like part of like the dad being super femme, I wasn't sure if it was like, you know, he's still super male coded in this too, yeah. right? Where like I, and I don't know if I was like off base or anything, but it felt like he was uh, so controlling of the women because he wasn't able to live the way he, because he still had to, she, it felt like the wife was a beard, right? Yeah. And like she was just there and then they had a kid, whatever he was doing his duty and all of that. But like it felt like he was super controlling and everything because he wasn't allowed to be his true self yes i thought of that element as well because it, it, it could be that and that yeah. that leads into the conversation about um misogyny in the uh gay male community mm -hmm. and how that's so rampant and such a fucking problem the idea of like codifying yourself in this way that is to say this is my experience so mm -hmm. ew women and ew boobs and ew feminine like yes femininity but like ew anatomy and like the the in the intrinsic misogyny of that kind mm -hmm. of abhorrent take and then within that the idea of like just not being around what like I, i've noticed this a lot within the gay male community it's just like surrounding yourself with men and mm -hmm. only hearing male voices and only seeing men oftentimes when you want to sleep with and it's like completely shutting yourself off from female voices female iterative ideas or or, or uh anything that has anything to do with anything that is female apart from femininity mm -hmm. itself. So yeah, a hundred percent because of that, that in my head, I was like, Oh yeah. Like, Ooh, he can't be himself. So he's going to just be an asshole to all these ladies. That's gross. Yeah. Yeah. I hated that. Yeah. yeah, me too. yeah. <laughs> but like, I, you know, but again, like that was also like, I've seen that. It so. made for an interesting character. It did. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought the reasons why he was being an asshole were much more pronounced or like more, yes. more relatable. So yeah. I thought they did a really good job. They did a good job of, updating the characters mm -hmm. to like how they kind of would be today i think yeah but for me like because the dialogue was updated kind of mm -hmm. every time i found myself getting into it i was immediately brought back out it was too jarring i would have loved if they would have like and like i guess like a whole big thing with this dude is like you know uh with baz uh, whatever the fuck his name Bas is <laughs> um he like uh he wants to be like see these are timeless stories right <laughs> and I, I think the story is timeless, but I don't think the language is. I know. I was just going to say, cut to them at the gas station. He's like, do you bite your thumb at me? I do not bite your thumb at you, sir. And then the people were like, oh, no, he bit his thumb. And that's 10 <laughs> fucking minutes of the movie. Like, I was like, I like started the movie. I was like, what the fuck? Pure like, chaos. Pure chaos. Oh, my yep. God. So, okay. So <laughs> this film to me <laughs> felt like. Because I guess, like, before this, he did, like, music videos and stuff, right? Like, that was his shit. I'm unfamiliar right? with that, yeah. Uh, somebody, like, he was a music video dude. That's what he did. So, mm -hmm. like, you know, like, five minutes, that's all he had to do, which is cool. So, what this Makes felt sense. like to me 
was he was teaching a film class, whatever, right, in college, and he gave each student their own scene to direct, right, yeah. and to, like, put together to do the whole thing. This is, like, their final, right? And then, like, they all did it cool, but they that's why, to me, like, none of the scenes felt like they go together. None of the, like, you know, like, the the party scene, like, that's, that's one person's, like, thesis or whatever. Yeah. Then this is, like, this other person's. But, like, it was so jarring to go from scene to scene. Like, you know, if you take the opening scene with the guns and the cars or whatever, right? And then you go to the very next scene, which is, like, that dopey-ass white dude. Then, like, actually being a real person and talking to Romeo. Like, he's yeah. just chill. Like, that's not the same fucking person. Yeah. And then cut over to the dance party, right? Which is super tight. But then cut over to, like, I don't know. It, just, it was it, so disjointed. Yeah, it didn't feel like it. And on top of, like, Claire Dane's acting, like, I... <laughs> and, like, it, it was just so... And it felt like they were trying to string these things together, like, in, like, a superficial, arty way. Like I was saying before, like, the only time that Romeo and Juliet see each other is through water, really. Right? <laughs> I cannot, so when they you said that at the beginning, I was just like, holy shit. They fall in love, like, at the, uh, they see each other through the fish tank, yeah. right? Cool. And then they kiss for the first time, or they kiss underwater, and they do the thing, right? And then it's raining, and then Romeo's always wet, and then there's a thing. But, like, throughout the whole thing, if you notice, like, in the very beginning, like, Juliet, we see her, like, underwater, right? We see, like, she's in the bathtub, yeah. Yeah. I, I got the sense that they were trying to say, like, we're only our true selves, blah, 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 whatever. Well, sort of and like, we understand each other because we understand water, or, like, it's a world that we where we can't hear everything else. Like, right, when you're underwater, you can't hear what's going on above. So we we, we found this love in a place that nobody else knows. It's just that Postal Service song, or what, uh, <laughs> yeah. one of those. Is, that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. And everything, like you said, it was hard to sort of digest because of how severe everything was. The language itself sort of thrust upon the visuals of this this very and I'll say keep saying the word severe the colors were so severe everything was so sharp like the yellows were yellow the reds were like red everything was so cartoonishly vibrant and loud and 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 that language in this story thrust upon that kind of environment was so bizarre but then the directorial choice of pacing where there are certain scenes that are like kind of normal and like what's up romeo cuz whatever whatever and he's like you know just doing the thing then there's like the scene in in juliet's bedroom where they are talking like they all just did cocaine which is like i don't know about this well i would say this because this is that cinch me up blah, 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 blah. and then i'm gonna leave and then you do this and she's like well i don't want to do that well you better do this and you're just like what is the fuck happening <laughs> like theater class yes <laughs> and to further filmmaking to class. further even prove that point the music video thing that first scene i in my in my notes i was like oh cool this is just gaga's telephone featuring beyonce right it looked <laughs> so a lot of the the the, the motion suit when the car would pull up it was like the tire or the grill and was coming directly at camera the colors themselves the cutting between the two the sort of like action of it all almost felt like it's obviously choreographed because it's a movie, but it felt more like choreography than choreographed blocking mm -hmm. is what it was. And so it, to me, I was like, oh, this is going to be a weird music video. Like, <laughs> this is so odd to me. And then <laughs> Jamie Kennedy being there, I was just like, this is so weird. Like, ah, oh, what is happening? But well, it reminded me of a music video, 100%. And like you're saying, everything was so over the top. With yeah. Like, you know, the choreography and the, like, the guns yeah. and then the, the like... 
also like the characters themselves, right? Like yeah. they leaned hard into the stupid white beach bum person and leaned <laughs> real hard into the religious Latinx person tropes, right? Everybody was like this caricature of whatever they were supposed to be, right? But then Romeo and Juliet were so bland. That was another jarring thing for me. And maybe like, that and, was in, okay, yeah. like this whole thing again, like let's think of this as his filmmaking class. Maybe the intention behind them being so vanilla is they're supposed to be the only real things, mm-hmm. you know, or they're like, you know, they're the only ones that actually see each other or there are normal people in all this chaos. But that was still like there was a fucking better way to do it. Yeah. Like I could not get over anything mm. and I couldn't get over like how many fucking lines they cut from Juliet. She's not a person in this. Like you're saying, they, she's an object of affection. Yeah. And that's it. Not only does she not have emotions, she doesn't have lines. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. She was just like blocking out her scenes, just like pacing from A to B and just kind of there. And her face is just the same. Yeah. The whole time. <laughs> oh, except when she cries and then she really ugly cries. But that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's they really took a lot away from her. Oh, oh, yeah. So I, I thought this whole film was basically YouTube before YouTube existed. That this is what inspired YouTube to exist. How so? In the sense of like, you know, like all those like fam films and like, you know, like all this other stuff. Oh, because like everything the was filmmaking so- stuff like that, God. right? So then they were able to do this and then uploaded it to YouTube. And then it's like, oh, cool. Check this out. So if you took like In each parts. scene as itself, like, cool. Like we see that all the time. Yeah. Also, PewDiePie would definitely be a Montague because he's a fucking gross boy. And I hated the Montagues so fucking bad in this, except for Mercutio. Yeah, I really didn't like them either. Mercutio was the only one. And since we're on Mercutio too, something also I came to with like the gay idea of this. I don't think Boz Lerman is a queer person. I could be wrong. Please, somebody correct me. I did some research. I do believe he is straight. He does a lot of queer coding in the way he exists and the way he creates stories and creates these things. So for me, looking at Mercutio, the more I spent time with this character, yes, I still liked it and I loved it, but it felt like a gay person being written by a straight person because there was this sort of like mysticism of of queerness and sort of the magicness of femininity in a male presenting body and like and again i love the drag i love the performance i love i love it but a lot of it felt too rigid in its trope delivery it felt so i'll say it again severe (laughs) (laughs) it did it really felt it felt so like an oversimplification of what a gay person would be even though the the performance was fantastic but I just, I think a lot of the, the, the tropes within it felt like, upon further examination, like, oh, this was written by somebody who isn't gay. Truly. This was written by somebody who, who doesn't know that experience, who doesn't know this. For for me watching it and the choice to, the, the choice, because this was a choice, right? Yeah, yeah. To, like, because the whole thing was a race thing, except for, like, he's the one black person yeah. on this white guy's crew, mm-hmm. right? And so, of course, like... To have him be the one person of color on this side and to be gay and to, or queer, like to me, that felt like more othering too. And I, I thought that was a little bit gross, especially moving into when he gives himself up for Romeo. Yeah. And one thing that they did really well in this was like when he gave himself up for Romeo and he's there dying, he was like, fuck you. Fuck you so hard. Yeah. Fuck fuck you. Fuck both of your houses, but legit fuck you, Romeo. You. 
to me that felt like that felt also like um he was kind of taking that back that othering because he knew he was othered and stuff so like fuck you for doing this to me and fuck you for not actually seeing me yeah also they filmed that while a real fucking hurricane was coming oh they did which is wild that is cool um and it ended up destroying a bunch of the sets and everything but um but yeah i thought that that whole dialogue was really fucking good i thought it was great and again a lot of really good performances like i do think leo did a great job too like the actor who played mercutio he was fucking fantastic again he took he took the words he took all the stuff that was given to him this sort of like tropey idea of sort of a feminine male presenting person like fucking he was he was my favorite part of the entire fucking thing also it is kind of gross that the one black actor you have as a character main is the one that you know is going to die halfway through the movie. Yeah. Like you made it clear that the one black person is Mercutio. The one, the, the one who dies. <laughs> the first d- person to die. The first too. person to die. Yeah. Because the other person that dies is also a person of color. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, and then eventually we get Leo, but like at the very end, the two last people to die are the two white people. Yeah. But then it's, the tension is that a person of color died. Yes. And I, I was just really, upset yeah it it <sighs> this didn't age well i don't think I, oh no it does not age well at all it is such a product of its time it is gonna be so gorgeous in like 15 years going back or like young people growing up and like they're gonna find this and be like this is a mess but in like a fun way like how i'm viewing it today it's like this is a mess but like in a fun bizarre whoa like what a 90s fucking thing this thing is like this is wild this is wild this movie is so bananas this movie is all over the place it's all over the place it is this shit is so bananas like oh also when mercutio screams a plague on both your houses the weather changes and that storm comes in and i was like hell yeah adding to gay mysticism gays control the weather that is canon (laughs) like he says a plague on both your houses and then it's like storm fuck yeah like oh so his death is now like inciting a storm so like I, yeah, gays I are witches <laughs> I love to that. some degree. So there was there were those small moments of that where I was like, oh yeah, straight people are have weird conceptions of gays. <laughs> That's yeah. Um okay, so I want to talk about surprise, the women in this film. We already talked a little bit about um Wait, there were women in this film? Just like they were mentioned. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you sure. know, yeah, Lady yeah. Capulet who's too loaded to think for herself, whatever. Julia, all of my notes for her are just that she's super boring and (laughs) (laughs) and she doesn't question anything. And like the one moment of badassery when she tries to pull the gun on herself, you know, she was disarmed so fucking quickly. Like she's she just sucked and was not Mm. believable. And I'm kind of glad like it with Claire Danes being Julia. I'm glad that she didn't have a lot of lines because she was not. (laughs) great and not believable and super boring also the only reason that she got the part was because leonardo dicaprio said she impressed him because she was the only one that was able to look him in the eye while giving him the delivery of a line because he was kind of like a heartthrob at this point and everything so he's like oh you can look at me yeah you should be in this boys are so silly they're so silly oh my god Um, but yeah so i want to talk about two people in particular uh rosaline who is mentioned a fucking lot in this movie. Mm -hmm. And in the play or whatever, she's only like, oh, what about this person? And they're like, 
Oh, no, fuck like, that person. Oh, who? <laughs> but in this one, they keep fucking bringing her up, and they never say why, and they never say what she did or how things happened with, like, Romeo, but the whole time she's, like, demonized, and, like, she's kind of like a slur that they throw out there, or, like, I fucking hated that. Yeah. And then I also had a lot of complicated feelings about the nurse. Yes. Because she was an immigrant woman that was afraid to speak and spoke broken English and was just demoted to a fucking fat joke in the end. Yep. Like, that was her whole fucking role. And, like, in the other one, she existed and she was, like, the caretaker and she was Juliet's mom and stuff like that. Yeah. But in this one, she was very clearly written by a white man. Oh, 100%. She became, like you said, she was whittled down to a fat joke for the most part. And also, she was quote unquote the help for this very rich family so the other one was also the help too however she had more of an active role this one was just the help is what it felt like yeah a hundred percent and like that was very clear in that first scene when they go into the bedroom and the mom's just like throwing clothes at her yeah like without saying anything it's like very clear that the dynamic that was set at least in the last one that we saw is not there and that was absolutely a choice yeah absolutely a choice and it doesn't seem like the friendship was there either there were some moments of like i see you but it never manifested itself it never really we never really got to see that in the same way that we saw between juliet and the nurse in the first one with this yeah it felt i don't know it it just it felt like she didn't even need to be there especially because again she was just she was a caricature of like you said the help and a fat joke and i hated that mm-hmm. so fucking much yeah so like those are the women that we have in the film mm-hmm. we have one that we never see that we don't know anything about other than something happened yeah and then we have the nurse and then we have lady capulet then we have juliet yep oh god i hated all of them <laughs> so bad yeah, no, it was not a also, good movie for women. Speaking of characters that didn't need to be there, Paul Rudd <gasps> was the prince. I hate Paul Rudd. You hate Paul Rudd? I hate Paul Rudd. I don't like Paul Rudd. In just his existence or in particular Every time of- he's on screen, I don't like his performances. He yeah. just seems so... <sighs> I don't. He's, he's too silly cute boy. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> Get out of here. So in this, I don't want in this you. instance, his character reminded me of his character from Parks and Rec, where he's um, Sweetums guy, where oh. it's just like kind of aloof, kind of a buffoon, kind of um, dumb and pretty was the thing. Yeah. That's kind of what it felt like in this too. Like Romeo's like at the party trying to sneak up and like, woo Juliet and there's a moment where the balloons fall and it's all celebratory and he just turns around to look at Juliet with like this big old grin be like balloons or whatever like look (laughs) did you see those (laughs) party and like turns back around and I'm like oh this is this is a silly man no geez (laughs) like this is a lot but he's also chill with an arranged marriage not really even knowing Juliet and that is something that took me out of it because it was like yeah, he was, like, winning over the father in, like, the well, sauna and shit. Oh. And I was like, what is this? Because you're going to update everything else but this? Mm-hmm. Well, to me, that was, like, it leads <laughs> to the idea that, like, this is somebody who's complicit and 
totally on board with the structure and power structures that be. So he's just very aloof, unexamined, for lack of a better word, simple and very complicit and comfortable and complacent in this world where when being told what to do, he doesn't really have to think about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Like, oh, you're going to marry a daughter. OK, cool. Not really thinking about it. Not really thinking about his life or whatever. It's just kind of like very reactionary, but with no reaction, like everything's fine. You know, that was his yeah. character. It was very that. So to me, I was it was fine because I think he played that character well. And he has played those characters in the past. And I'm sure we'll play many in the future. He's just kind of always the same. Yeah, he's like the same character. This one of yeah. the two characters. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, I mean, get a paycheck queen. But also, <laughs> for sure, absolutely. but also, it's very simple to say for like a straight white guy in Hollywood. If you <laughs> give me money to act like Claire Danes <clears throat> in any film, I would take your fucking money yeah. and I would take your fucking criticism mm-hmm. because I would love that money. Yeah. Just give it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the only other notes other than my hot takes and miscellaneous notes are of Romeo, high, hopeless, and clumsy for no reason. Yeah. He fucking falls over so much shit that he doesn't need to fall over. (laughs) (laughs) And he's always wet. That's that's kind of what I loved, though, when he's with the uh, friar and he's talking about the marriage thing. And he's like, okay, go get your wife. Like, we'll do this. He like he's like sick and like turns around and just slips and like falls and knocks over the big vase and he's just like on the ground and the guy's just like, "Yeah, that's you." He's like, <laughs> or whatever. It was just again these moments of like, so is this a slapstick comedy now? Like, there's a lot of yeah. beats. There's a lot of moments and nuances of of oh okay that's like I guess we're doing that now. I guess it's this. I get it's such a, a thematic mess. Of everything. But, I mean, in true cartoon fashion, I was entertained. I was on board. <laughs> like, that slapstick fall bullshit, I was like, that's funny. <laughs> like, yeah! Fall again, Leo! Fall again! Like, <laughs> so silly. So, I don't oh know. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, he, um, I felt like he was a lot creepier in this movie. Like, in, like, Romeo? Romeo was way creepier in this than he was in the last one. Oh, 100%. Even that line, that fuckboy line of like, what's thou... Le- Wait, what the is unsatisfied line? What's yeah. thou leave me so unsatisfied? Yeah. That shittiness I was... A- oh my god. Yeah. That shittiness was so amplified in this version because of like him, he's like in the pool, just like with his shirt open, just like, what's thou leave me so unsatisfied? And you're like... He's totally got a boner. Oh my god. Like, go go, <laughs> go to sleep. Like, go home. <laughs> also, you need to stop. He- Holding on to the lattice before, like, she comes down, right? And him talking to himself, like, those lines, like, his delivery of those was so fucking creepy. It was way creepier, especially since he's trying to evade the security, because the Capulets have security at their house. Yeah. Um, he's trying to, like... The, the most incompetent security. I know, I love it. <laughs> well, he's trying to be hella sneaky and, like, not be seen. And so, whereas before, it's just, like, him, like, on a wall looking up, he's, like, on the property breaking in essentially to like look at her on the balcony it's definitely a worse situation because they're like clear defined parameters that you should not cross and he's crossing them and he's evading capture throughout the process of being like what light beyond the yonder window breaks and you're like you're a fucking creep (laughs) yeah it was real real bad yeah i did not like any of that yeah not great Uh uh-uh and then okay (laughs) 
he has PTSD and can't sleep because he's haunted by the images of Tybalt's death. He becomes like an insomniac because he's seeing ghosts suddenly, but he still can't apologize or talk about how he feels, which is weird. <laughs> is it weird? I don't know. They took they because took, really they took Cupid, which is Molly. So it's oh fine. yeah, no, but but weird in the sense that like men don't know how to process their feelings largely. So the fact that he's like more on board with being haunted by these visions of violence and destruction that he's caused, he's more willing to deal like experience that on a daily basis than to acknowledge the damage he's done and to acknowledge the the pain that he's caused and to acknowledge that and so, be vulnerable he's he's so unwilling to be vulnerable he's more willing to be haunted so the other romeo in the last one he didn't have any of this right that didn't matter and so like he kind of had no other force trying to make him reckon with what he did but in this mm-hmm. one he did have that yes and so but i mean it's just like cool whatever i'm just gonna go bone my woman and it'll be fine but it doesn't change yeah but like but he's conflicted or he has this conflict that's happening like inside of him but he's unwilling and unable to express it or to say sorry or to do anything he literally just shows up to julia and doesn't even say a word and just fucking bones or maybe he does say a word but it's not Sorry for killing your cousin. Yeah. Sorry I shot your cousin. <laughs> uh, into your, the sorry, your cuz. Your cuz. <laughs> yeah. To me, that was a little bit harder to swallow because it's like, I, I felt like that was playing more into the fuckboy narrative of like. Where he's acknowledging certain things, but still unwilling to change. Whereas before well, he's there was. not a- even acknowledging it. It's like, it's there and he doesn't oh, want right. it yeah, to yeah. be there, you mm-hmm. know, but rather than acknowledge it or rather than deal with that he's just pushing it off or trying to be like oh poor me i have this now whereas before in the other one it's there's not even a facade of remorse or i've done this thing it's simply like what's gonna happen to me now i gotta go like yeah yeah i'd rather kill myself than be banished yeah (laughs) yeah straight up you know that was silly it was silly this movie is so silly that was a weird fucking choice because then they make him like super like aggro and desperate because he hasn't slept and because he's being like tormented by like the images of what he's done. But rather than like choosing to like have him confront that and everything, he's just yeah. like using that as more of a reason to become deranged. And then he goes like to the fucking poisoner, right? And gets the poison and then goes over here and he's like got the entire Verona PD on his ass. As he's going to kill himself. He's Grand Theft Autoing with five stars, Queen. Fucking A, right. He's got three GTA helicopters. GTA Verona. 25 cars. Oh and my then, God, can you imagine GTA Verona? That'd be cute. That'd be tight. That's just, I think that's just the, what, the Vice City one. Because <laughs> it's essentially fucking there's Miami. Probably, there's probably a mod where you end, like, it's fine. And you can wear those shirts. That would be oh, so Oh, yeah, sick. yeah. That'd be tight. And then the death scene. So, I love, well... Obviously, suicide isn't cute, y'all. But the moment when he's sitting there and he's like about to drink his poison, Juliet literally wakes up. And so they're both awake and alive and unpoisoned at one point. And she's like looking up. She's like, isn't my boyfriend so cute? Like her eyes are open and she's like admiring him. (laughs) And he's like contemplating the end of his life. He's like about to drink it. And then she goes and touches his face with the vial to his lips. And when she touches his face, 
he fully swallows all of the things. So it's like her touching his face was kind of the catalyst for him drinking it. And then he's like, wait, no, you're alive. You scared me. I thought you were supposed to be dead. And she's like, what did you just drink? Oh, fuck. To be fair, <laughs> no. there's like no words. That's all like in the, oh, fuck looks. On yeah, it's face. all in the looks. So yeah. there's, but, but it's definitely like they're both awake at one point instead of being like, the vial's not to his lips. He's sitting right there. Be like, hey, Romeo. He would have felt her hand moving, bro. He would have seen her. This, it was so silly. This, yeah. This was a Titanic situation. And there w- was room on that door for both Jack and Rose. True. There was Truly. room on in Truly. this story for both of them to yes. live. And to if they recognized anybody other than themselves. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. If Romeo recognized anybody other than himself, that motherfucker would still be alive. Yep. And so would Juliet. Well, also just in this version of it, they cut that that tension so close to the point where it overlapped to where it's possible that they could have stayed alive. Where sometimes it's like, drank the poison, then a minute later she wakes up and she's like, oh no, he's dead. Now I'm dead. So there's like, there's no crossover well, for opportunity for both of them to be alive, but in this version, visually, there's a point where she's just like, oh, God, what a good nap. And like looking up at him and I'm like, you guys are cutting it too close. The drama needs to be like that. And then like he gets scared and accidentally drinks it. I'm like, this is no. <laughs> so yeah, because, okay, like this whole story centers Romeo. It's apparent in the fact that they took out so many of the lines and the dialogue from the women in this film, right? Yeah. Or made it their internal thoughts or whatever. And they made them watered down versions of whatever they were supposed to be. And they took all that water and just poured it on Leo. And and they made they took all that water and just made them look at each other. Yeah, through, through the fish tank. <laughs> oh my God. And Leo's just always wet. I'm like, uh, go but, back to the island. But like, that's what this is. It's like the, the tension was created uh, like in that moment to make you feel bad for Romeo. It wasn't like to feel bad for her. It was like, Oh, this guy, he's got everybody like on his ass, whatever. And like, you know, he has nothing to live, literally at this point, nothing to live for because he's in the church that the cops can't come into. Oh, yeah. And, and nope. Can't like, come into church. No, uh, sanctuary, whatever, I guess. Like, that was a weird choice, too. Now is when we're doing separation of church and state. Now yes. is when we do this. This is when we do <laughs> this. This is when we all make that choice. Also, wait, why? Okay, why did they decide to make the prince and the cop like a different person? Because the prince in the original story was uh, Paul Rudd and the police captain were the same person. Yes. And I don't know why they made that choice, but I hated that because... Oh, I guess that's true. Because huh? the the cop in this, like the captain, is a black cop. You know, he could have very easily been Paul Rudd's character. But Paul Rudd was just there, being like, yeah. <laughs> like they made. Why is that the character that they decided to make it in two separate ones? That's a good. Yeah, that's a great question. Because also, like Paul Rudd is never referred to as a prince in this one, so it's not that Seems he's like, like a or monarchy something? or anything, yeah. right? That was a fucking weird choice, and I yeah. didn't like that at all. So I thought this was really boring and really dumb. And the priest in this one was like a fucking, like, I don't know. How, how would you describe the priest? Uh, he definitely cooks meth, for sure. <laughs> and part of like the whole potion thing was like he knows chemicals really well. He also, I don't know, like... Open shirt, beach daddy with sandals. <gasps> Wait, was it him who had the... No, the cross tattoo on his back. Who yeah, had, I think that was Was him. that him? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I guess that makes sense. He's a priest. Huh. Okay. 
the wardrobe for that, they gave him like one of those open, it was like sort of a blue uh, pastel mm-hmm. button up shirt. But the paneling on the back from shoulder blade to shoulder blade was see-through mesh sewn into the shirt along with a spine panel that was also see-through. So when he's walking around, he walks into the church. He's just wearing a regular shirt, but to show the cross on his back is see-through mesh on his button-up shirt. And I was like, this is so gay. They, oh, they I love also just it. wanted, like, there is so much religious shit in this movie like every fucking shot either had a cross or like some sort of oh like a virgin mary yeah or like a saint (laughs) some some kind of saint but like like fucking catholic like eight out of ten shots had a fucking religious symbol in there and it was fucking boring and i don't know what they were trying to say with all that and that was really dumb and like it was this film the script was already written yeah, there's, right? no, there's nothing added. Oh, except for they decided it to use modern stereotypes to tell this story. Yeah. But it didn't work. It didn't work at all. And the movie didn't earn the character attachments and connections that the story relies on. That is correct. Like, yes. they relied completely on the source material to fill in the gaps. They took out certain scenes and everything that were necessary, but they... Like, because they're like, oh, you've seen Romeo and Juliet. Like, you fucking know what this is. You know the story. Like, so it made you fill in the gaps at certain points. Like, if I didn't know, like, certain things, I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, I was already like, what the fuck? But like, yeah, my big thing is just they didn't earn the payoff that they were trying to get. For as rich as these characters could have been, they were just stereotypes of of themselves. They were just like, it was a, it was a character study is what it felt like. And there was no substance to the characters. Like you were saying, even like looking at Mercutio, like on on the surface level, yes, Queen, get it, right? Yeah. But then when you get down and really start thinking You're about like, it, oh, it was written very, by a white dude. This is a very simple version of what this kind of character is or who this kind of person is. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. no, 100%. And that is my biggest problem with this movie. I'm going to drop the mic on that. Yeah. Boom. I mean, do I agree with everything you've said? Yes. Do I also love this movie? Yes, one hundred percent, absolutely. Oh no! <laughs> I it's a it's a full it's a full ass mess, but it was for me very fun to watch. Like it was just such a joy of a movie of such a chaotic, pretty movie. Like I don't know, I don't like again. I don't give a shit about Baz Luhrmann. I don't care about his movies. I don't like Moulin Rouge. Um, again, at me, people. I don't care. Eric Lefebvre. I don't, yeah. Eli Lefebvre on all my things. Message me. I don't give a shit. I don't like Moulin Rouge. Greg Gatsby was whatever. His other shit is fine. Like, I just, I don't really care. So for me, this is my favorite of his movies. And I don't really know why specifically apart from everything we've just talked about, but I, it's It's less queen. (laughs) It's weird that he like takes all of these old literature films and tries to like update it and make it modern and stuff like that because i don't know i feel like we could do like a whole bonus episode on i on analyzing him if we wanted to well there's there's a part of that like kitschiness of that that is so surface level pretty and engaging but lacks any sort of substance mm-hmm. and that that was a huge thing for me which is why i didn't like moulin rouge there was like like the colliding of pop culture with this old idea of of uh, prostitution and sex work in this environment and sort of the empowerment within that and then like the musical of it but the music is 
uh, Nirvana, um, Kelly Clarkson mashup, and you're like, what the fuck? No, not Prince. Like, Uh, I don't know. Ewan McGregor's in it. Please. He's great. But a lot of his movies just, to me, visually feel like Spencer's Gifts. (laughs) Like, when I watch them, I feel like I'm in a Spencer's Gifts. And to me, Romeo and Juliet is the same way. However, it's on a day where I'm feeling really fucking good. And I've got a little bit of extra money to spend. So I'm going to get that Futurama Blacklight poster. I can. And I'm gonna. (laughs) However, every other time I watch every other Basel Lerman movie I've seen, it's like me walking into Spencer's Gifts on a bad day. Where I'm just like, oh my god, another penis lollipop? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Like, oh really? Okay, boo pasta. Sick. Love it. Like, I'm so tired of this. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So that's, that's how I feel about it. I don't know why I like this movie so much. And it was how I, I also like that it was like, is gay. not boob pasta. It's boob. No. Okay. It is boob pasta, but it's boob pasta on a good day is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're like, oh, that's so fun. I love this. Not like, oh, silly. Right. So it's a perspective thing, I think. But I did really love this movie. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so weird. It's very good. <laughs> Chill. What up? Here we are. This is the end of our podcast where we talk about it a little bit more. This is the end of a podcast. Podcast. Yeah. We watched both Romeo and Juliet's (laughs) essentially the same story told different ways as we got into earlier. It's the same story. Mm -hmm. Same story. About how his life got flipped, turned upside upside down. down. Romeo, Verona, where he spent most of his days. All right. So anyways, in conclusion, (laughs) Eric. Yeah. The first Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Who was this for? Um, My English teachers, as well as kids who wanted to see boobs in school. I think. Yeah, so I was, was. I was gonna say it's for all the fifteen-year-old boys that yeah. had to, that wanted to see a booby. Yeah, and well, well all the and uh, so all that butt, all, all the yeah, <laughs> all the young people who wanted to see nudity in school. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, did you like it? I still did really like it, but mostly because, like, for me, it's like. That nostalgia of having had to have acted this for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't care. I wouldn't, like, watch this again unless it was just, like, on or whatever. But, like, I I do just really love The Nurse. And I thought it was just really well acted. Yeah. Because, like, I have seen, like, being in some acting classes, I have seen some people butcher the shit real bad. Oh, so, yeah. Seeing somebody like do good line delivery of Shakespeare is like tight. It's awesome, yeah. Yeah. I think I didn't really get that perspective until you were talking about it with her. So I'm really happy that you said all that because I was like, oh yeah, no shit. Like that that was there. I just missed it. So I'm happy that I got that perspective on it. And me on Mercutio, man. Yeah. Right. Love. Love. The first one I liked it. I liked it enough. Will I ever watch it again? No. Absolutely not. Um, while I watch the new one again, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, oh, you'll hear my answer soon. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, think you already know my you. answer. Yeah, but I will not. Pro- I probably will not be watching that first one ever mm. again. 
Um, what about the new one? Was it new, interesting, or the same? Progressive, regressive? I'm going to say it was exactly the same in a weird, totally separate way. I don't think... Well, actually, no. Maybe it was worse. Ooh. Okay, no, I'm going to stand by my original thing. I think it was... No! Take it back. It was worse in a, in a different way. Like, it did not add anything to the Romeo and Juliet story. It definitely took a lot away from it. <laughs> it definitely did not... <laughs> Like, the story was already kind of fucked, but it took so much away from it. Yeah, it was worse. <laughs> it was regressive. <laughs> I am going to agree because I feel like them literally taking out so much of the women and their lines yeah. and their scenes <laughs> and just making them think all of their lines yeah. was really terrible. And they did that so they could add in dick jokes. That's mm-hmm. fucked. But yeah, I don't feel like I feel like it was new in a bad way or like in in a visually in a great way agreed it story-wise in a terrible way oh yeah story-wise it was atrocious but like in a cute way (laughs) (laughs) just kidding no it was just it was it was an absolute mess who was it for um only me no um (laughs) who was it for i don't know it was for Anybody Boz Lerman's ever queer baited. <laughs> That's all it was for. It's just queer baiting on a cinema in cinema. <laughs> I think it was for Mercutio. It was, it was it was a love letter to Mercutio from a white guy. Oh, uh, from from a white <laughs> cis guy that thinks that he gets it. Yeah, that is like, <laughs> like this is your world, honey. <laughs> I see yeah, I see you gays. Like shut up, Boz Lerman. <laughs> shut up. Cool. I feel like I always say a little joke about like who is this for? And then you always nail it and I'm like, no, I'm choosing that one. Oh no, it's like you, I choose you a wrong totally nail I choose like a wrong like, answer on a test, and then I look over and it's yours as if and I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, you're right. It should be D. Damn it. <laughs> like I feel like I do that every time. I feel like I do that to you. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Did we like it? Okay. Yes. I'm gonna go ahead and stand back here and say I loved it. I love this movie. I know I wanted to do like the little. <laughs> I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Did I like it? Yes. Did I love it? Yes. Did I gotta have it? This movie is Cold Stone Cake Batter Ice Cream. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Um, yeah, it's a fucking mess. That's like I will fun 100% stand here. It's a mess. It does not paint women in a good light. And I know with all these themes in mind, um, it's trash. It is trash. It's not a good movie, but I absolutely did enjoy it. And I would be a liar if I told you any other way than it was so fun. And I enjoyed every moment that I was with these people. These very, very bad people. (laughs) Very flawed people. Very flawed. (laughs) Very messy people. I. You loved it. You loved it. Oh my so, god, you loved so it? Are, are we doing like our, is our official scale like, like it, love it, gotta have it? I don't it? know. I, I are we, like- only if we get endorsed by Coldstone. So Coldstone heads out there. Let us know who to contact. Hit us up. Get us endorsed. Give me gift cards. We love ice cream cake. We do. We love them. So um, I mean, I'm, I'm down for, I'm down for keeping that as scale. I think it's silly. I think it's fun. I think it is. 
Let's keep it until one sued. of our listeners gives us a oh. better rating system. Oh, yay. If you have a better rating system, please write in. And while you're doing the write-in, please write us five stars and review and tell your friends. <laughs> um, um, review five stars. All that. So I, I feel like if there was a cut of this movie where it took out all of Romeo and all of Juliet, I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> It would be a, that would be a that would be even more disjointed, but I I feel that I, I agree. well they're not essential they they're not what I no. love about this movie no they are vanilla but I'm at Cold Stone and I need something other than I need shit in my vanilla at least they're, I need a bunch of stuff in there they're vanilla no toppings and we didn't come to Cold Stone to get no toppings no. we came to Cold Stone to get toppings no we didn't <laughs> uh, all of the toppings in like the dipped waffle cone yeah. with the thing you like do it. that's what I need. This is that nope. is to say you gotta have That's, it. I if it was that I would love it. Yeah, but right now this movie. Are you just sampling today? Yeah. This is not even a like it situation. It's just mm-hmm. like I'm gonna get a sample. Yeah. Got it. Just give me that scene with the gun, like while he's like singing and all the guns are around him. Oh, that I was l- so wild. I loved the weird moment when so b- before Mikusho's death. It's uh, like he's playing in the fountain, right? Like oh, it's supposed to be yeah, the thing. Yeah. But in the new one, he's in the ocean with his gun and just Up, shooting off yeah, random bang, bang, shots bang. into the air while just, just like kicking the ocean water. I was oh, like, man. this is this is a movie. I just need that. And I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Anyways. Cool. That was our podcast. Was our, this is our 10th episode. 10th episode. Episode number 10. Bo, bo, bo. We're double digits. We are double digits. It's a big, big in for us. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so if you listen to all 10 episodes so far, um, thank you. We appreciate you. We That's love it. you. We love you. We got to have you. We got to. We like you. We love you. And we got to have you. <laughs> all all sizes. All right. Um. So thank you for listening. Um. Next week, we are going to get into... Continuing on the month of love with A Star is Born. Yeah. So we're doing so all be ready. three. Oh, boy. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of the same story. You can write into us at nostalgiapodcast at gmail.com or find us on all of the social medias. It's either Nostalgia Podcast or Nostalgia.pod. We will link it in the show notes and we'll actually start doing that. We need to I know. We that. need to do show notes. <laughs> Try um, both. Send an email to both and see what happens. Like, yeah, just go for it. Yeah, we love you. It's yeah. cool. Um, we would like to thank David Tracero for providing tech support, Danny Barkley for editing our podcast, and thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jess. All right, bye. Bye, y'all.